And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Karin Swain, spiritual mentor, educator, and galactic guide, radio podcast host of ATP Media, author, inspirational speaker, and creator of the Awakening Soul Book series. Karin enlightens you to the power of your thoughts and beliefs, how they create your world, and how to live in alignment with your emotional guidance system. Karin, thank you so much for being my guest today, and welcome. Such a pleasure, Jeff, to be on your show. We love you. We all love you. We think you're fabulous. Well, thank you, and I love you all back. (laughs) Now, in the U.S. here, we say Karen. Is it Karen in Australia, or do you just specifically have the name Karen? It, it is specifically Karen. It's actually the Scandinavian pronunciation. If you've ever seen the movie Out of Africa, Meryl mm-hmm. Streep, you know, I had a farm in Africa. She introduces herself as Karen and people just call her Karen. Mm-hmm. But mom was very insistent that people call me Karen and not Karen. And I don't think mom understood why. I think that that was probably my choice from a broader perspective because the hard A actually activates the heart the, the sound of the heart chakra is, ah, is that the hard A? And if you think about it, the car, a car is a vehicle in which we traverse the world, you know, traverse life with. And the car body, the Egyptians called the soul, the car body. So it is the part of us that incarnates into different worlds, different time, different lives. It's the part of the soul that, you know, travels through time and space. It's called the car body, spelt K-A. So I think that probably from my broader perspective, from my soul's perspective before I came, I was inspiring mum to use that pronunciation. I was at school with five Karens Hmm. and I still have many breast friends that are called Karen, but Karen is the way I say it. Karen, how did you become such a spiritual seeker? Well, I think that... Even as a kid, I was asking questions. I was harassing my parents, thinking about life very deeply, hit the ground running like many of the people that I speak with on the show, uh, asking questions like, I came into a family that was not religious at all. Um, We only went to church for weddings, christenings and funerals. And I was asking my parents questions like, like, how can a baby be born in sin and need to be baptized? That just doesn't make sense to me. And my parents, who did not think about this stuff, would go, I don't know. Like mum would say, ask your father. And mum and dad would say, ask your mother. And so I'm quizzing them all the time about things that just didn't make sense to me uh, about life. And then in my, when I was a young teenager, mum got really sick. They actually, mum and dad got divorced. I had a pretty tumultuous um, upbringing. They were fighting each other and... As the kids, see, there was three of us in the family at the time. We were just trying to survive their war. And then um, dad married, traded mum in for a younger, prettier model, mm. literally a model. And mum became very, very depressed. All her self-worth was on her looks, on her beauty and, you know, what other people thought about her. So she was one of my first spiritual teachers in that they say, life can you can either be a shining example or a terrible warning and she was a bit of a terrible warning she was a beautiful intelligent fun happy person who put all her eggs in the wrong basket you know she thought that being loved was all about being adored by other people because of her beauty and when dad left her traded her in for a younger prettier model 
her self-worth plummeted and it really only took five years for her to hate herself to death. Mm. And so as a young teenager, I watched my mother hate herself to death, you know, just get sicker and sicker. And then the questions changed in me, like, why do people get sick? And um, if we get sick, how can we, how can we not get sick? And how can we live a happier life? Because I saw a lot of misery in my family. How can we be happier? And then she dies. I'm about 16. And I'm asking questions like, so where do we go when we die? And is, can we maintain a relationship? Can I still talk to mum? And if there is some place that we go to when we die, what is that place? Because it's obviously where we came from before we were here. So what is that place? So that put me on the spiritual seeking path, wanting those questions answered. And uh, so hence I started reading a lot of books in between buying shoes and wanting boyfriends and all that stuff when you're young. But, you know, Jeff, life is a fabulous teacher. You ask the questions and life will answer. If you don't find the answers in a book, you'll bump up against some circumstance which will answer those questions for you. And uh, so that happened. And the more life answered the questions, the more questions arose in me. Uh, so I found out that there is a place that you go to and there is a place that you come from and that this world is um, only a tiny chapter in the uh, infinite everlasting you know, story of the soul and I started asking more and more questions so mum after she died was trying to answer my questions from the other side but as a young girl I only had a limited view of all this spiritual stuff so I would have dreams constantly about mum every time I had a dream she was in another place so she was either in another state or somebody else's house, or she was in another country, I would be on holiday somewhere and I'd bump into her. She'd be like running a shop or somewhere. It was always these strange dreams. She was always somewhere else, which was the indication that I was communicating with her. I was with her in another place, not earth. But as I interpreted those dreams through my limited uh, linear human perspective, I was you know, trying to understand it from a human life perspective. And I would always say to her, you're here, <laughs> you're here, you're really here. Because in the dream, it was my reality. And she'd say, yes, I'm here, but you died, but you're dead, but you're dead. And she'd go, I'm not dead, Karen, I'm not dead. I'm like, well, if you're not dead, where the hell have you been? Because <laughs> in the dream, I always thought I was on earth, right? I was in some other place. I was obviously having an astral experience, something at 16, 17, 18, you know, in my early 20s, I didn't understand. Uh, so I would wake up in the morning and try and understand it from my human life perspective. And it was like a nightmare because she was still dead. And I would just sort of wipe, wipe it off as a dream. Oh, it was just one of those crazy dreams again. But it was always so real, you know, and, and I wish we could understand that every night you know what i've since learned is that we go places we every night you know people talk about death we die every night and we visit those other realms those other dimensions and there are multitude there are so many places we can go to in our astral experiences at night but the game of life on planet earth is to forget the spiritual awakening is to remember but the game on life is to forget so we come back in to our human mind perspective 
and we have these foggy ideas of where we've been at night and we try and work it out and it's like a crazy dream because one minute you're in one place and the next minute you're in another place and there wasn't any time or travel in between and that doesn't make sense because on earth you've got to actually get up and move and travel and there's time but in other realms uh, manifestation happens at the speed of thought so you think about a place or a person and you're there instantly but that never makes sense to us when we come back into our human mind perspective and that's what was happening to me when I was young I was having these crazy dreams about mom in other places and she was telling me she didn't die but that happened over and over again as I um, uh, you know met people and um, had best friends. I had a best friend called Nikki who was born thalidomide. She, do you remember in the 60s, there was a drug called thalidomide that was given to mothers that were pregnant and it was like a, a pill for morning sickness. So my mother's, one of my mother's best friends uh, was pregnant around the same time she was with me. And she took this drug called thalidomide for morning sickness and she said to my mother who called herself becky take it it's fabulous it's fabulous and mum was quite a stoic person she said oh no i don't need any drugs i'll i'll just soldier on through the morning sickness and my friend nikki was born deformed through the pill through the drug thalidomide there were just thousands of babies born all over the world deformed through this drug and uh so she died when she was 40. She was very sick most of her life. Uh, she was beautiful. I loved Nikki. We had this sort of relationship where we were like, we we're kind of like an old married couple. We would argue with each other, but we loved each other and we hated each other. It's like we'd known each other forever. And she came to me in a dream or in an astral experience and told me she wasn't dead. And I had another girlfriend who commits suicide who'd said the same thing. I'm not dead. And uh, many other people who had died came to me and they told me they weren't dead. And so um, probably about how many years ago, 15, 16 years ago, I wanted to write a book and I was stressing about what I wanted to write about. And the guides said to me, write about what you know. And I said, well, I know about death because I've had so many people die on me and come to show me what um, that death is all about, that there is no death. And they said, well, write about that. And so I did, and that was my first book called Return to Love, which is about my experiences. Um, that's my daughter. Mm. Isn't that nice? Nice yeah, cover. Nice. Can't see. Let me ask you this. Have you connected or communicated with your mom in any other ways besides dreams? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In the book Return to Love, there's a story. It was when my best friend Kate uh, died. She had been suffering um, depression. It's a much longer story. I'd love to make a movie of her, her life because it's such a great story. And she had told me she wanted to kill herself. And uh, one afternoon around four o'clock, I had a, I was a single mum, and it was around Christmas time and my little daughter was going to be in the school play, you know. So around four o'clock, I got in the shower. I had a busy day. I had a student living with me, an Asian student to help me pay the bills who was actually in her 50s. She wasn't like a young kid and she was beautiful. I loved her. And um, I was going to take her to see my daughter in the school play. So I had a shower and I thought, I'll just have a quick shower and then I'll get ready and I'll make dinner and I'll feed Annika and Yumiko and then rush to school and take the stuff to the school. You know what a busy mum does. I just take five minutes to have a shower. And I was so stressed, like in the busyness. I just thought, I'm just going to sit in the bottom of the shower and just relax for a minute. 
and just let the hot water run over me oh, like this. And as soon as I did that, bang, there's mum's fa- face in full 3D colour, just the head, just her head, like a floating head in profile. And she turns and looks at me like this, right? And um, sorry, this hand thing's going up and down. And I said, oh, mum, you're here. And I said, look, I'm really busy. I've got so much to do. I don't have time to talk to you. I know that you've come to tell me something. Uh, please go away because I'm just trying to take five minutes out to rest and then I've got to make dinner and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And so I opened my eyes trying to get rid of her. And what happened when I opened my eyes, it was like she was really trying to get my attention. She had something to tell me. I had the sensation of her being with me. I, I don't know, it had been like 25 years since she had died or 20 years, I can't remember. It had been a while. But it was like she was standing in the room. I could smell her. I could feel her. There was just this visceral feeling, this sensation of her being in the room with me, in the shower with me. And all my other senses came online. It's like I could sense her, smell. I could smell her. And I just went, oh, my God. Just this memory of being with her physically, being with her physically. And I was just saying, I remember, I remember like this. It's going to make me cry. (laughs) And again, I said, this is great, but I don't have time for this. I need to, I need to get on with my day. And I jumped out of the shower and busily hurried, you know, got dressed, dried myself off to try and get rid of her, which happened. But the next morning at eight o'clock, my ex-husband called me to tell me that my best friend was found dead in the swimming pool. And I said, what time was she found dead? And it was around four o'clock. So it was right at that time mm-hmm. that she had come to tell me something, but I wouldn't let her tell me something in the shower. I said, look, I don't have time for this. So, you know, I often wonder if she came to tell me that, you know, Kate had transitioned. Uh, but at the same time, that night we went to the school play and we had a great time. And had I had that information beforehand, maybe I wouldn't have had such a great time. So it was all perfect, really. But it was one of the most profound experiences I've had with a soul in that having that physical, visceral sensation of her being with me as if she was present in the room. And what it taught me was that when we are physically in people's presence, we don't actually notice that uh, feeling until we experience it again without them physically being there does this make sense Jeff Uh, it's like you don't really notice what someone feels like or smells like like their physical presence until you have that same sensation without them physically being there Hmm. yeah I haven't thought about that do you think everybody can connect with their loved ones on the other side and if so how can they do that Absolutely. And we do. Just like I was connecting with mum in my dreams every night, we do that every night. There's a lot of people that talk about grief. I had a woman reach out to me wanting to come on my show that talks about grief. And um, we justify that grief is so necessary that when we lose a loved one, there is this grieving period. But if we all fully understand that we never, ever lose anyone, that we just experience our relationship with, 
with them in a different way and that that reality is as real as this reality, there would be no, no necessity to grieve. But grief is like a deep dive into our subconscious limiting ideas about who we are. Often when we get upset about one thing, all the rest of what we're upset about comes up to the surface. Um, feeling abandoned, feeling alone, uh, you know, feeling unworthy, feeling not enough, all that comes up to the surface to be, um, to be witnessed to, to, it's kind of like it's speaking to us, you can let go of me now. And I think that death and grief is, is an opportunity to experience your limiting ideas that you hold about yourself. And it's a chance, an opportunity to transmute them, to transcend them, to let them go. But absolutely every single person so, that thinks that they've lost a loved one is in communication with that person or that soul, mm -hmm. whether it's in their dreams at night or in their memory of them, because thought is a reality. We think that reality is only what we can touch, taste, smell and hear and see, but thought is a reality. And so when we think about somebody, we are actually connecting with them. So often when people have lost somebody, they're thinking about that person all the time and then grieving that their presence is not with them. But actually in that thought of them, they are connected to that soul. It's just that we don't give thought enough cred, you know, enough power. Our thoughts are powerful, which is the main thing that I speak about as a teacher of deliberate creation our thoughts create and uh, but we just think oh it's just a thought or it's just a dream we sort of wipe it off as not important uh, but yeah and um, look there's been so many experiences and I'm sure that many of your listeners will have uh, experiences of you know dead people like tweaking the electrical stuff when um, uh, my my father's cousin who was in her 90s died a few years ago we spoke about death. She lived in New Zealand. I went over to help her transition. She kept saying, how am I going to die? She was like 95. I'm sick of living. I don't want to be here anymore. The doctor gave her a diagnosis, a diagnosis of cancer. She's like, oh, good. My chance to exit the matrix. You know, not her words, my words. Anyway, she sort of, she, anyway, she died. That's another story. But after she died, she was twinkling the lights and she was really communicating with her friends who were over at her house after she died in a way that they could understand. And I would say, there's, there's hope. Her name was Hope. There's hope talking to us. And people go, oh, no, you know, they write that stuff off. But her husband died about four years before her. And I was telling her about all this stuff too and talking to her about death and that there is no death and that you don't have to worry about you know, dying and all that sort of stuff because she was contemplating, you know, leaving this world and being with her husband again. And she had an old, one of those old-fashioned TVs and we went out and bought her a new, you know, flat TV and she'd put the old TV in the other living room. We were in the sunroom looking at the other living room and we were talking about how people communicate with us from the other side if we're not available to them in our mind. And the old television turned on like this. And then I said, see, there's Bert talking to us through the television. And I went over to the television. She said, no, nah, it's just an old television. It's turned itself on. And I looked behind the television and I pulled up the plug and I said, it's not even plugged into the wall. Wow. <laughs> and the television had come on. Wow. And he was also communicating through the cat who had like a personality transfer 
plant after he died. He became a completely different cat. There are so many ways that we communicate with people still incarnate in the physical life experience. And we are with them every night. As soon as we leave, our consciousness leaves our body. We're together again every night. You know, when you were mentioning grief, you were talking about limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I want to follow up with that. What are the limiting beliefs that we have and how do we stop having them? Well, <laughs> that's a big question, Jeff. That's a great question. There are many limiting, limiting beliefs that we have, but what I've discovered is that there are a couple, really only one limiting belief that is the sponsoring thought, as uh, Neil Donald Walsh put it in the Conversation with God books, or the foundational thought of every other limiting belief, and that is the belief in separateness. If the truth of our divine presence is that we are one, We are source energy. We are an extension of the source. We can never be separate. And so this idea that we are alone and separate is the most devastating belief because it is the biggest lie from our truth. And the bigger the lie, the worse the belief feels. And this is how the emotional guidance system operates in our life. So we have thoughts and attached to a thought is a frequency and we feel that frequency as emotion. Uh, emotion, energy in motion, energy moving through our being, through our system, through life. And when the energy is slow and dense, we feel that as negative emotion. And when it's fast and more in alignment with the truth of who we are as source, it feels like happiness and joy and excitement and bliss. Um, Really, that is an indication that we are more fully connected to the truth of who we are, to our own higher self. So the sponsoring thought is a thought of separateness. And then there are a thought of unworthiness or not enoughness. So I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I can't have what I want. And these two sponsoring thoughts are are really the sponsoring thought that on top of those is every other limiting thought or negative thought we have about ourselves. If we are, if the truth of who we are is an extension of the source of the infinite one creator of God or whatever you want to call that, then how could you ever not be enough? I mean, it's ridiculous. If you are God and I am God, how can God ever not be enough? And if we are one and not separate from that, that source, then how could I ever be alone and feel alone and separate? So these two lies are the thoughts that really trip us up. And we experience those in a myriad of ways. And this dimension, this third dimension that we've been experiencing up until now, now we're going through a bit of a shift in experience here on planet Earth, has really explored those thoughts. And if you even look at the way we're advertised to, um, third dimensional marketing is all about limitation and separateness and not enoughness so there's not enough time you haven't got enough money so I'm going to discount this for you because you'll never have what you want so I'll discount to this getting quick limited time only it's a special price for you now and we're marketed these beliefs are marketed to us over and over and over and over again and we buy into it as our truth and it's not the truth of who we are we are infinite creative potential and extension of source energy available to create anything we want to create in any way we can imagine but we don't believe that and as the beautiful Wayne Dyer said 
you'll see it when you believe it. So our beliefs create our reality and our beliefs are usually wrapped up around the ideas that we have taken on either through past life or through our DNA and our lineage or we've created through the traumas we've lived and experienced here on planet Earth. In the beginning, I mentioned that you are a galactic guide. Can you tell me more about what you do in that? Well, it's interesting. I, I had the beautiful uh, Cynthia Sudalasan on my show yesterday, day before I was talking to her. And she was telling me about her experience um, sort of designing different consciousnesses to come into planet Earth to be a part of the shift, like to change the human mind. And the guides have said to me that my job is like I sit on a council a galactic council to oversee these beings that are now incarnating into earth. When I say now, they have been for ages. So they're called star seeds or indigos or um, hybrid souls or uh, walk-ins. There's just so many different mixtures of consciousness that are coming into earth to be a part of the awakening of humanity and shifting to a new experience here on planet earth, a more, uh, expansive, more enlightened, more empowering experience. And so as a soul, my job is to help these beings that come into this physical density and help them awaken to their true self and get them out there and working in the world so that they can actually bring their talents and their gifts and their knowledge into this into this realm and help people ascend and awaken to their multidimensional aspects. Because this aspect of who we are as a human being is just one aspect of the many multidimensional aspects that we live. So outside of this dimension, this time-space reality, time does not exist in the way we experience it, which I'm, I'm sure that many of your guests have explored on your show. So we live in this one time where from our soul's perspective, we experience time happening all at once, which means that our past lives are happening now, our future lives are happening now, our galactic lives, us, an aspect of us, not as a human, it may be we're an extraterrestrial living in a highly evolved civilization on another planet in another universe, maybe we're a spirit guide also physically incarnate now, but also a spirit guide who is guiding from their spiritual perspective and helping people who are electing to have the human life experience. So there is a multiple aspects to who we are. And as we ascend and awaken to our spiritual path, on our spiritual path, our spiritual journey, we become more aware of these multiple aspects of our being. And when we're in connection with those aspects, we can receive guidance from those aspects. So instead of believing our limited human thoughts, we can receive thoughts from our more expanded aspects of who we are and what's possible. Are you coming back to earth on your next life or are you Absolutely. going somewhere else? <laughs> you know, it's such a great question, Jeff, because there are so many people who suffer here on earth. So they come from these higher civilizations higher dimensions either as an angelic being or an extraterrestrial being and they explore the the earth life experience and they find it very challenging because we get to experience these dense negative emotions you know we want to kill ourselves and we hate life and we hate ourselves and we feel unworthy and we feel separate we feel alone and they go oh 
damn, this is too hard. Get me out of here. You know, we learn about the afterlife. We watch endless NDE stories on podcast shows, right? Mm. And we hear people talk about, oh, the love, the love, the love. I was swimming in love. I was with my family. And then we say, that's where I want to be. I want to be in the love instead of in my negative emotions. And I'm never coming back to this horrible place ever mm. again. But everyone who's here having a spiritual awakening at this time on earth is doing so because they volunteered to be here, to be a part of the shift, moving out of the, the more denser experience, the limiting ideas into a more expansive experience. Whether you enjoy that or don't enjoy that, you're here for that. And so we are choosing a different timeline it gets a bit confusing. So if all time and space is happening simultaneously, then every probable reality of Earth already exists. So we're not creating a new Earth. We are aligning with an Earth that already exists. And there are probable timelines that exist. Hollywood has explored many probable timelines of going down the road of like the earth blowing up and everyone's struggling to survive like the Mad Max movies. You know, AI has taken over and we're run by robots. Like Hollywood has explored many probable timelines and then people talk about this utopian world that we'll move into. Everyone's telepathic and there's no money and everything's free and everyone's abundant and life is good. And we're choosing that with the, with the decisions and the choices that we're making now because they all exist. And you'll hear that probably on your show, Jeff, that you've heard people who have seen the future of Earth and then somebody else saw a future of Earth. And these are two different futures that they're talking about. Like how can there be a variety of futures of Earth? Because they all exist. Hmm. What was your question again? I've gone a bit off track. I was just... Oh, coming asked. back. Am I coming back? Yeah. yeah. So if we are a part of the world that is designing or choosing... A new experience on planet earth like we are the designers of it if you like through our decisions and our choice why wouldn't we come back to enjoy what we're creating like i'm so excited about coming back to be in this utopian earth that we're all talking about that the ascension is all about that we're creating it's like i would never say oh this earth's too hard and too challenging it's as hard as an as challenging as you want it to be as you choose because what challenges us is not life but what we think about life there have been so many teachers when in 2000 in 1995 i did an anthony robbins course and one of the speakers was a guy that was in a prison in uh, the vietnam war i think for seven years and the prison cell was about it's like a coffin it's about three foot high and about six foot long and he had to eat and defecate in this one space. And I think they let them out once a day or once a week to walk around a yard. They weren't allowed, the prisoners weren't allowed to speak to each other. It was the most horrendous physical circumstance you could ever imagine living in on earth in this awful experience. And he said in that experience, he found bliss because his mind was free. His body was imprisoned, but his mind was free. And so he could astral travel and go anywhere he wanted in the universe and hang out with the angels and hang out with the guides. And the people in the prison learned to communicate with each other through a, like a, a, their own Morse code. They got really creative and they created their own Morse code and they would communicate with each other through that, through a tapping system. So when we're put into challenging experiences here on earth, 
it evokes our creativity. We have to be creative in, in, you know, finding solutions to get around the challenges. And that's the beauty of the density of third dimension, that we have an opportunity to get really creative. But some people, instead of getting creative, just suffer and become victims of this world instead of using their infinite creative potential to create something new, something next, something different. For every challenge that we experience, desires are born in us. So when we get sick, we desire to be well. And when we're alone, we desire to be connected. And when we feel poor, we desire more abundance. So every time we experience the contrast here on earth, a desire is born with us for something else, something new, something more. And as we follow that desire and start to think about what that feels like, what that looks like, how that could be, we start to manifest it, we start to create it. And the more we believe it as our reality, the faster and more probable and more possible that reality becomes, both personally and collectively. So when we come together in groups and have and get creative and start think about the possibility of what Earth could be collectively, we bring that timeline into existence. We are powerful for we are an extension of the source. We are God incarnate, having a physical experience. And together we are off the charts powerfully. One person is powerful. Jesus would say, you know, where one or more, two or more, I, I, I forget the Bible. What does it say? Two or more are present, there I will be. So when we come together and we combine our energy and we think in the same way, we have this unbelievable power of manifestation of bringing in anything we can imagine yeah do you think that we're going to go through and complete the ascension during our lifetime everyone has the opportunity of going through and completing the ascension in their lifetime you had garnet schulhauser on your show recently right who was that it, garnet schulhauser oh, yes i have the canadian corporate lawyer that now travels the cosmos with his spirit guide albert so I've had Garnet on my show probably about seven, eight times. Mm. I just love him. His books just rock. Anyway, so in one of his books, there's a story of a woman that uh, her family was killed in a car accident and she went through this dreadful depression. And then I think one of her friends suggested she go to India and hang out in an ashram that might help her. So she did. And she went to India and she hung out in an ashram and she meditated every day. And through her meditation practice, just like the guy who was in jail, she touched the divinity within herself, which is pure positive energy, which is bliss, which is divine, which is all the things that your NDEs speak about, that experience of love. And she experienced it so deeply, so viscerally in her life that one day when she was meditating and she opened her eyes, she was in a different place than where she was, than the room she walked into when she began that meditation. And she was in an ashram or a center in a, an ascended earth, in the new earth, in another experience of earth, which is beyond the third dimension. And so she had ascended in her physical body. She took her physical body with her to this new earth. And then she died in that earth. Her physical body died and she became a spirit. And then Garnet in his astral form was introduced to her through his spirit guide, Albert. And he asked her about her experiences. And he wrote this in his book. And 
he said to her, will you reincarnate back into the new earth, the, the earth in a different dimension where everything is much easier and happier and people are connected and love and they understand who we are as an extension of the source and so on and so forth. And she said, no, I will come back into the old earth, the three-dimensional earth, because I learned a lot in that lifetime about how to overcome pain and grief and loss. And I learned how to connect to the truth of myself. And I want to come back <laughs> again. It's going to make me cry and teach people how to do that. So I'm going to be worth more reincarnating back into the old earth. But everyone has the opportunity of ascending. And throughout the ages, we've heard of rishis and gurus who have done that through meditation, meditation, and uh, they call it the light body. Their body turns into the rainbow body. Their body just literally dissolves and they ascend into a new frequency and they're still alive in another dimension with a physical type body, kind of like an astral physical body. And they're living out another life in this other place, but they do not exist on planet Earth. And you can't say they've died because their body's not here anymore. There's no dead body, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they've died to us because we can't see them. Uh, but if you're psychically aware, you can still perceive them as a light body in their lighter body, in their frequency. And just like a dead person or a spirit can communicate with us in our physical bodies, so can you when you're in an astral form or, or an astral physical body you can still communicate with people who are experiencing this experience i think what i was referring to is more that you spoke of the new earth where the whole mm -hmm. planet goes through some type of that ascension and and everybody's happy here and and we're all different do you think that's going to happen within our lifetime depends how old you are jeff I'm pretty old, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you're a kid or a teenager, that's a possibility. Mm. I've been exploring this on my shows lately. Um, one of my guests said that in two and a half years, there's going to be a solar flash that's going to take us back to the Stone Age, and then the ETs are going to come and pick us up and take us to the new Earth. So that's her timeline. Then somebody said there's going to be some sort of mass um uh, light explosion on planet earth and everyone's going to wake up spiritually and remember who they are uh, as love and light and all connected and you know an extension of the source and then somebody else said through her hypnosis her clients she's a hypnotherapist that there's going to be this slow burn where everybody will eventually awaken but it's going to be a slow experience of more and more people awakening and then life changing on planet earth like a slow so depends on which timeline you're aligned to which which parallel reality you align to and what you choose uh, there are multiple possibilities and probabilities available to us um, you could you could meditate and ascend like the woman in garnet's book you could align to a timeline where it's a slow burn. We could die. Uh, depend Again, it depends on how old you are. And life looks pretty much the same as it does now. Or there is a timeline where life dramatically changes because there is this mass awakening. Or there is disaster that strikes, which forces people to awaken. Because when disaster strikes, we come together and unify. Like when there are floods and fires and disasters like tornadoes and all that sort of stuff, people, neighbours who have never spoken to each other, who didn't know that they lived next to each other, all of a sudden are helping each other and loving each other and best friends. So disaster is a way of forcing humanity to come together and be more loving 
and more um, cooperative rather than feeling so separate. Like, you know, in the city, we live next to people. We make never, we might have lived somewhere for 30 years and never know our neighbours that live across the road. Uh, this is the separation we explore. And then disaster strikes and we come together and, yeah. So there's a few probable, you know, realities available to us depending on what you choose to live. Uh, so it's very possible that in our lifetime, like I'm, I, how many years left have I got on earth? Maybe if I live to a really old age, 40, it, that's very possible. Or I could live for another 10 years and reincarnate and come back again. So by the year, you know, 2050, I'm a young adult again and I'm loving life and what yeah. earth has to offer, you know, anything's possible. Do you believe in karma? Yeah, sure. Do you fear death? Oh, no. No, not at all. No. A death is just the exiting of uh, your attention and focus in this experience. So years ago, I'll tell you about an experience I had. Um, on my Around the time that my friend um, killed herself and mum, I, I remember it because I'm in the same house. I'm living in the, I moved a lot uh, up until about 10 years ago. I would move every year and a half, year, couple of years and uh, so I was in the same house. So I, I was going through um, an expansive spiritual journey. I was working as an energy healer. I was doing energy healing courses. So my seeking went from reading books to um, psychics telling me that I was a spiritual healer. And I'm like, what the hell's a spiritual healer? I did five years full time as a naturopath um, student. I, you know, I'm in my early 20s. I want to be like, I don't know, a dress designer. I want to work in the film industry. I'm doing creative stuff. I'm thinking about being a singer. And somebody gave me a massage course and I did it. And then I thought, oh, this looks really good. And so I, I embarked on a full-time course studying naturopathy. And at the end of that, I didn't see anything that was going to change the world. So I opened a furniture and homeware shop and started doing energy um, healing courses because uh, I was still seeking. I was still asking questions. And so somebody said, oh, have you read that book, Journey of Souls? And I said, no, it was before the internet. So I went to a bookshop and I asked, I couldn't remember the name of the book. I said, somebody told me to get a book about souls and journeying. And they said, a soul's journey. And I said, yeah, that's it. And so I bought this book, which was uh, a bit like Garnet's story. It was a man who was approached by a man physically. And then he came back later in his astral body. And at night he took him on these journeys through different dimensions at night. So after reading this book, uh, which was a happy uh, sort of mistake that I got the wrong book. I eventually read the other book, which was Michael Newton's book about, you know, his hypno, a soul's journey, journey of souls, anyway. And I, every night I would say, I want that to happen to me. I want that to happen to me. And that I wanted to remember my astral journeys. And it didn't happen for the longest time, Jeff. It's like when you want something really bad, what you're telling the universe is that you don't have it. So your vibrational stance is that you don't have it and that's what you manifest. So when you let go of something, that's when it's available to manifest because you're no longer in the resistance of not having it like I really wanted. So one night I had this experience of being in a classroom in another dimension and I asked my teacher, how do I move through dimensions? And she asked, she told me that I had to put different frequencies in my chakra, in my astral form different um create different energy vortices so i did that and i found myself waking up into this other experience on the astral on a in another dimension and i was with shirley mclean and i said to her 
what are you doing here? And she said, oh, God, Karen, is it any, um, I'm a teacher, I'm one of your teachers. And I said, you're one of my teachers. And she said, oh, God, is there any, um, you know, coincidence that mine were one of the first books that you ever picked up? And I went, oh, guess not. And so we were having a lovely time and more people came and we were talking. And then I felt like I was in an earthquake. We were sitting at a table and I remember grabbing the table and looking up and saying, what's happening? And as I said that, I found myself instantly back in my bedroom. But I wasn't in my body and I wasn't out of my body at the same time. I wasn't in my body. I was in and out of my body at the same time. I can't explain it to you. I wasn't looking at my body. I was looking through my eyes but I was also above and floating in the room. And I could see everything as transparent and translucent. I could see the matrix of this world, the reality of this world, the holographic image, if you like, of this world. I could see through all the walls and everything was shimmering and moving. It was, it was beautiful. It was amazing. And I saw my daughter in the other bedroom, waking up and getting out of her bed and walking down the hallway. And I realized as I was floating in and out of my body simultaneously, that my body or consciousness had called me back, my, called my focus back to the body because my daughter was about to wake me up. And the orchestration and the timing of this was just like beautiful. I'm like, wow. And then my daughter comes in, she's about eight or 10 or something like mom get up get up and I'm I'm now behind my eyes thinking I don't want this experience to end I don't want this experience. and she kind of gives up goes into the kitchen and I'm like oh I better get up and make her breakfast so as soon as I made that decision I'm back in my physical reality experiencing physical reality as we experience it as solid and and what we call real and I was asking the guides about this like what the hell was that all about? Like, what were you showing me? And I said, I didn't feel like I traveled anywhere. Like, you know, when you have people talk about when they die, they go through tunnels and they feel like they're traveling. So I had looked at a lot of NDEs at this stage. I said, I didn't feel like I traveled anywhere. I was just here one minute and then there the next. And they said to me, well, reality is where you focus like a camera shutter if you focus in this dimension that's what you experience if you focus in another dimension that's what you experience it's like if you take a camera and you point it at something you can only see what the camera is looking at but if you shift the camera and you're pointing at something else it's like that other scene still exists but the camera is now looking at something else said so that's what these different dimensions are like mm. so you were focused in another dimension and then my consciousness or my body brought my focus back into this dimension because my daughter was about to wake me up. So, oh, it's 11, 11 here. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, so that's what I say. When you have the questions, life will answer them uh, with experiences, but we also have to be available to align to what we're asking for. Cause if you want something too badly, you're actually sending out a signal saying that you don't have it. So that wanting and then letting go, that asking and then allowing, as you know, the Abraham Hicks talks about, ask, orchestrate, allow. So you ask your question, life orchestrates it for you, but you have to be in a place of allowing that to manifest as an experience in your physical life. And that's kind of letting go of the wanting and being in a place of peace, if you like. Now you showed me your book earlier. Do you just 
Do you have that one book or do you have two books? Yeah. No, well, why I contacted you, because I actually contacted Jeff and thought, oh, he mm-hmm. talks a lot about death. Mm. Uh, I put out a book called Awakened by Death okay. with Cyrus Kirkpatrick. Well, it's hard when you've got the... Anyway. Right. You and Cyrus wrote that together? Well, I got Cyrus to help me. Have you had Cyrus on your I've show? had Cyrus on. He is a great guest. Yeah, because he is an astral traveler and he is also an editor. He was editing... Um, for a job and I uh, am not that okay at editing and sorting all that stuff up so he helped me do that but I collected 12 different stories from people around the place from my shows and his being one of them mine being one of them Sandra Champlain um who else have we got I brought it up it's been a while now um Elisa Medhus Krista Gorman Scarlett Lewis Dave Byron David Byron just talking about him this morning Francis Reiki, Nancy Rhines, who you had on your show yeah, recently. Um, yeah, I'm surprised I haven't had any more of those guests. I'll introduce you if you like. Uh, Garnet Schulhauser. Garnet, I took one yeah. of the chapters out of his book and put it in the book. I had to ask Ozark Mountain Press, but I loved that chapter. It was such a great chapter. And there's a beautiful woman called Yvonne Ballard who since transitioned, she's left her body. She had a fabulous NDE, Naya, she called herself, or Naya. Uh, I loved an extensive NDE, uh, e- e- Heaven is Empty, we called her. Ainsley Threadgold, who is Krista Gorman's partner, is also one of the chapters. And, you know, we all speak about how our experience of how uh, death is such a spiritually awakening experience, like mine was with mum dying, um, inspiring all those questions and then seeking the answers. And many of the people had their own NDEs, which was their spiritual awakening. And then, of course, many of them had um, people they loved died, like Elisa Medhus, Dr. Elisa Medhus' son, about 10 or so years ago, shot himself and he became a spirit guide. But she was, um, she said she was brought up by militant atheists and she was a doctor of five children. And it wasn't until Eric, her son, killed himself that she started to ask any sorts of questions about spirituality at all. So she was completely um, sceptical about, you know, people that did psychic readings were all, in her mind, charlatans just ripping you off. And, you know, she had that mindset, which a lot of people have, um, taking advantage of people's grief, they think, you know, like taking advantage of people that are suffering and and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, so she started studying quantum physics she's like a scientist a doctor right and she understood that uh if energy you can't destroy energy you can only energy only changes form like water it could be solid it could be liquid it could be gas you can't get rid of it it just changes form then likewise if we are all energy then we can't be destroyed either we just change form and so from that premise she started to open her mind to include people with psychic ability and she started reaching out to psychics to speak to eric and she met some bad ones and she met some really good ones i think the best psychic i've ever known is um, jamie butler who she started her podcast show with and she would quiz jamie endlessly about talking to eric through jamie about the afterlife and they wrote a book together so she shared her story in the book and uh you know sandra champlain we don't die has a podcast called we don't die interviews a lot of NDEs. I don't think I've had her as a guest. 
Ah, well, she's got another great podcast like you. And she was a complete skeptic as well. And she wanted to prove that there wasn't life after death. And so she started looking to prove that and she proved the opposite. Mm. And now she has a great podcast show interviewing all sorts of people with NDEs. And she's been on my show several times. I've been on hers. Dave Byron. So Dave Byron is an Aussie guy. And his daughter was killed in the Bali bombings back in 2002. Do you remember the Bali bombings? Mm -mm. There were bombs in Bali. Lots of people died. And he was there with his 14-year-old daughter. And um, there was a nightclub that was, that was bombed. And the kids had gone out with, with parental guidance. And they'd gone to dinner. And all the kids, you know, they're like young teenagers, wanted to go to the nightclub. They were completely illegal for these young kids to go but they went there to have a bit of a dance on the dance floor and the bombs killed them all and so his young daughter was one of them and he was there and his story honestly it has to be a Hollywood movie it's graphic it's horrendous I said to Dave his young daughter from Spirit asked me to share her story in the book and Dave said now nah, mate I, I don't write any books I'm not a writer I'm not going to write any books mm. and I said you know, your daughter wants me to share the story and he didn't even believe that I was communicating with her, but he graciously came to my house and he told me the story and I, um, you know, wrote it out for him in the book. And it's just the most, it's just the most horrendous but encouraging story because he talks about grief and he was so angry at God and at life for killing his daughter. And after about two or three years of this devastating grief, he just decided, I can't live like this. I can't live in this frequency. And he made a decision to wake up every day and instead, like, make a decision. Instead of choosing a negative thought, he would choose a positive thought. So his story was very much about how we are deliberate in our thinking. He could think of the devastating loss of his daughter or he could think of her riding a wave at Bondi Beach and how happy she was. Like, he could think of a happy memory or a sad memory. And he made that deliberate choice to think better thoughts. And today, he's the happiest guy. He's, he just beams love and light. You know, he, he's just so full of light. He's just such a beautiful man. He's, he's, um, I was just talking about him this morning with my friend, another David, and uh, he's retired now and he's even happier because he's retired. And uh, yeah, he's just a brilliantly happy, beautiful man. And I, I loved his story because it illustrates how we can overcome our negative thinking. But um, one of the people that read the book said she was reading it on a plane. And when she was reading it, she was sobbing and snot was running <laughs> as she was reading his story. And the person next to her on the plane said, are you all right? She goes, yeah, yeah, I'm great. Because <laughs> she was loving the story, but it was so devastating, you know, to hear about his story. Anyway, so it's a great book. It's a good book. So I you like can it. so you can find it on your website or Amazon or both. Yeah, all those places. All yeah, those on places. the website. There's um I there's a website dedicated to it called Awakened by Death. Uh, that you can read um, excerpts from the chapters. You can meet all the authors, and you know it's all there. You can see all the people uh, talking about what they thought about it. Yeah, yeah. it's a few and years ago now. And your website is karenswain.com. I mean, excuse me, karenswain.com. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, yeah. yeah karenswain.com. Now, Karen, you, I said you're a podcaster, but you also have a YouTube channel. Is that like all in one? Are those considered the same and the same content? Or is your podcast different content from your YouTube channel? Uh, 
different yeah the youtube channel i'm on a few different platforms now jeff uh youtube got a little bit you know sensory so i started on odyssey and rumble as well i did a uploaded a few things to BitChute. I was exploring other platforms. I mean, YouTube is the king of them, obviously. It is the most um, looked at and um, the most, um, the best run, I think. But yeah, YouTube is where I do a lot of stuff. Yeah, I put pretty much everything I do on YouTube. Uh, yeah, so the podcast is there uh, as well as, um, as well as other things I do. You know, I run seminars with people. We do online events. We just had an online roundtable event called it Galactic Goddesses Connect Hearts Across the Water. I, I did that with Sheila Seppi, who runs the Wish Alliance. Wish stands for walk-ins, indigos, starseeds, hybrids. So she sort of attracts um, people who identify as galactic. And, um, and she does a couple of online Zoom events a week, and I've been co-hosting with her this month of May. This month of May has been the busiest month. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we got together about, a dozen galactic goddesses, teachers from across the world to talk about the ascension, what we're doing here on planet Earth, what's happening, what are the new energies hitting the planet, how is it affecting us and where we're going from here. So that's a great four-hour conversation. So I do a lot. I do the podcast. Um, I do my own group uh, the, called The Inner Sanctum where I invite the Zoom members to come and meet people I've had on the shows so that they can quiz them and ask them questions. But, you know, it's funny, people aren't as curious as me. I have all these people online. Mm. I'm like, what questions have you got for my guests? And everyone's silent. And I'm like, really? Mm. I've got a million questions. <laughs> now, I believe I found you on the, I, I might have been the Ion Sydney Facebook page. If not, it was mm. some Facebook page. Do you run one or several of them? Oh, I run several. Yeah, but Nicole Gruel, who you've had on the show, who is a friend of mine, started the Ion Sydney and I met her through that. I met her through another friend called uh, um, Karina Machado, who I think you've also had on the Spirit Sisters. You've had on your show. Had Karina on your show. She's an know. author and a podcaster. Anyway, Maybe. she introduced me to Nicole. And Nicole said, I'm going to start Sydney Irons. And I said, what a great idea. I'm going to help you. So I supported her in that. And we had um, physical meetings. It was lovely. And then COVID hit and we had to shut those down. But yes, and so, uh, yeah, so the, we've got a bit of a irons group down under now. I don't think we've had any physical meetings lately, but it would be good to get that up and running again because they were fun. Mm. Yeah, but uh, she had her own experience. She's been on my show as well, Nicole. And Karina, if you haven't had Karina on your show, you've got to get Karina. She's fabulous. Are you, you have, actually. Are you available to people if they want to ask your questions? And if so, how would they contact you on Facebook or on your website or, or what? Either or. I'm a big Facebooker. I do Messenger on Facebook, but uh, through the website. Yeah, I run a group, uh, the Inner Sanctum group, where we come online, a bit like you do, Jeff, each week and just chat, chit-chat about things, you know, what's happening, share, swap stories, shop, swap podcasts, talk about podcasts, either mine or others. You know, I'm, I don't have a competitive bone in my body. I think that anyone that's podcasting consciousness content is um, is family, actually, because mm -hmm. we're all in this together. Yeah. We're all doing this together. It's, you know, up-leveling consciousness, uplifting this world, putting out content that is mind-expanding and gets people to think differently and ask better questions, new questions, better questions. So, yeah, that's a that's a Facebook group on Messenger called The Inner Sanctum. And uh, 
we come together most um, Sunday mornings, my time, Saturday afternoon evenings in the US uh, to chit chat and share stuff. And, um, and then once a month, I have a guest teacher, which you can come and meet. It's just an email on the website. Just put your email and I'll send you the link to come in on Zoom and meet the guest teacher. And then I'm actually live streaming those now. So you can you can ask questions on live streaming as well. It's kind of nice to see people face to face, I think, on Zoom. You are one busy woman. So you've got to have other stuff that you're working on that we don't even know about. What else do you got going on? I tell you what I've got going on that I have had on hold for five years. And that's the second book in the Awakening Souls series, mm. which is about people's spiritual awakenings, just generic spiritual. Like the first book was around death. Because what I noticed on my podcast show, Jeff, was that every time we had an ND ear on or people spoke about death in some in that way, uh, it, it got a lot of hits. And so I thought, wow, there are a lot of people out there looking you know, asking the question, what happens when you die? And so I thought, this is what people want to know about. They want to understand death in a different way, not the tragedy that it is, but it actually can be the biggest blessing. Like my mum dying was one of the biggest blessings. I wouldn't have said that at the time. Mind you, I was pretty independent as a young teenager. So I was quite happy to get out there and do it for myself. I was like staunchly, one of those staunch independent teenagers, like, don't tell me what to do. I want to get out there and explore the world and not be told what to do. Uh, so her dying wasn't that tragic in that sense, but going through her sickness was pretty tragic, watching her decay and this vibrant, happy, funny woman become this skeleton was not fun. Um, but it also put me on my path to look into health. Hence, I did the five years full-time naturopathy and then, you know, look further. Like these things keep asking, you know, inspire the questions in us to look further and uh, I forgot your question again. I know you're a busy woman and I'm sure you've got other things that you're working on that we don't even know about. Oh, the book. Yeah. So the second book was just, I was going to call it woo-woo awakenings because mm -hmm. you know how they use the word woo-woo as a, as a negative, like, oh, you're woo-woo. I was wanting to reclaim that word. Hmm. I said, own your woo-woo. You're like woo-woo awakenings. But I've had like 20, 30 people say they'll write their chapter and I just can't get it out of them. We've got about six and people dropped off like, when are you ever going to put this book out? I said, when people write their chapter and give it to me, I'll put the book out. But trying to get people to write their chapter, people are like, yes, yes, all enthusiastic. Yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. So that is something that I have put on hold for a while that I do intend to pick up one day when I can get some help with that. Anybody out there want me to help with that? I've got to harass people to actually write their chapter. Because it's a lot of work putting out a book. I know you said to me before, people said to you, when are you going to put out a book, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. It's I think a lot that's of work. A, I think that's a great title. Oh, you like it? Own your woo-woo. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Woo-woo <laughs> awakenings. I don't know how who wants to be in a book called Woo-woo Awakenings. Uh, there's so many books out there called Awakenings, Spiritual Awakenings, Awakenings. I tell you what, with the book Awakened by Death, Sandra Champlain gave me that name because I had called it um, something else. Um, I can't even remember. And somebody else put out a book the same year with exactly that title. Hmm. And then she made um, a Netflix series called um, Surviving Death. That's what it was called, Surviving oh, wow. Death. Who's that? Leslie Keen right. put out a book called Surviving Death. And then she made a Netflix series, fabulous Netflix series, all about that. Um, bit of a different level. It talks about death. It's more for the seeker. 
um, you know, trying to understand that life goes on after we die. So Cyrus said to me, you got to change the name. I said, no, I'm not going to change the name. He said, no, you got to change the name. Can't put out the same book. I said, I, I love the name. It was given to me. No, no, no. I, I, anyway, so I was telling the authors, I've got to change the name. And um, I thought I'll just go, I was just going to call it death. And, and Sandra wrote to me and she said, no, you can't call it death. You've got to call it. She gave me a few options. And one of them was awakened by death. And mm. when I read that, I just thought, oh, that's perfect. So I attribute Sandra for helping me with the title because it really illustrates exactly what's in the book. It's not about surviving death. It is about awakening through the death experience, either your own or a loved one or your own, you know, yeah, as I say, your own NDE. Yeah. I'm, so pretty, sure, perfect I'm pretty sure that no one out there has woo-woo awakenings. So you're <laughs> they might get it up and running before I get a chance yeah, to you get might, you the may. book out. <laughs> well, you know, some people believe that all these ideas are up in the, you know, up in the in dimension, the up in the cloud, yeah. up in the field. So now that we're talking about it, now you have to get the book done before someone else uses that title. I do intend to get it out one day. So uh, now I've got a friend who wrote a chapter and she's uh, Scandinavian, uh, Norway. And uh, so I helped her, you know, translate it in a way that's, you know, reads well in English because her English is good, but her writing in English is not so good. And, and we worked tirelessly on her chapter. And then the book has never come out, but she's mm. put her own book out since then. Uh, her name's Cecil. Uh, and so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd like to honour the people that actually did write their chapter and get this book up and happening. But I need the other people to finish their stories. All right, Karen, well, I've run out of time, but before I go, can you leave us with one last positive message? You are amazing. You are a multidimensional being of light and your power is, how in, is in how you feel. Every time you choose a positive thought over a negative thought, you take your power back and reconnect to the truth of your being. We come from a realm of pure, positive, liquid love. And every time you feel good, you feel that place that you come from. This world affords us the ability to experience the negative, the denser emotions. Appreciate and be grateful for that too. Because when you're dead, like my friend Nikki said to me when she died, she said, enjoy the feeling of the ocean. There are things that you can't experience when you're dead. And being negative is one of them. So even enjoy being negative, enjoy the taste of food, enjoy having sex, enjoy the feeling of the water on your skin. There's so many blessings in this physical, physical, in this physical dimension, this physical life experience that people who have left, exited the matrix, uh, wish to uh, experience again. And so love it while you're here. Karan, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest today. I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. It's been so wonderful to connect with you. And I really hope you come on my show and we have a, another chat. Um, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's do it. I don't know. We're going to do it. I'm going to convince you. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get me. You're going to reach out and get me. He's resistant. He's like, no, I don't talk about myself. And I said, you've got plenty to say. I want to get you on. Yeah. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.